You are listening to Black Reality Think Tank with host Dr. William Rogers on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Finley Medical Clinic. We serve uninsured, underinsured, and insured individuals. Open Monday through Thursday from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Urgent Care Clinic Friday and Saturday from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Call for an appointment at 414-988-3079. Finley Medical Clinic is accepting new patients. Vaccines and screenings for uninsured, underinsured, and insured. Located at 10721 West Capitol Drive, Suite 110. Call our office for an appointment today at 414 is a clock that people use to tell their political and cultural time of day. It is also a compass that people use find themselves on the map of human geography. 
history tells of people where they have been and what they have been, where they are and what they are. Most important, history tells a people where they still must go, what they still must be. The relationship of history to the people is the same as the relationship of a mother to her child. You are listening to Black Reality Think Tank with host Dr. William Rogers on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Hotep and greetings, sisters and brothers. Welcome today to the Black Reality Think Tank. I am your host, William Rogers, and we are so happy to be with you here again this Tuesday evening, a very rainy Tuesday evening here in Milwaukee, uh, and cold, <laughs> So, uh, but nevertheless, we are here to talk about that America's old favorite game, baseball, and better to talk about it than one very powerful group of brothers and sisters who were our ancestors and paved the way for this the old Negro Baseball League. And we are honored to be able to have with us a, uh, a, a young man who had been a part of that Negro Baseball League and can talk a little bit about uh, a lot of that. So uh, I'm looking forward to this conversation. And joining me is uh, I have a wonderful co-host, my long-term good buddy, uh, Mr. Philip Scott. Uh, he is here. He was uh, a part of the original group that uh, we uh, brought uh, Mr. Biddle on. We've had Mr. Biddle on a couple of times uh, to talk about the Negro Baseball League. And it's a very important topic and it has a strong purpose because one of the things is just not about the sport, baseball. This is about entrepreneurship, black businesses, economics uh, in the black community. This uh, entity, Negro Baseball Leagues, were responsible for providing jobs, uh, opportunities for folk. I remember uh, very clearly. I was in a, I lived in a city uh, that had a team that was a part of that system. They were a farm team. They were called the Durham Rams, and they were a Negro baseball team. And I remember that they used to allow churches to uh, use the concession stand, and they used to sell popcorn. And and then a lot of us young kids could get jobs selling popcorn and sodas in there and it was a, really an opportunity so when I think about the Negro Baseball League it kind of warms my heart a little bit because I, not only because it's the summer you know it all, it's usually when it's warm during that time of this year but it, at the same time it was a feeder for the community it gave young men who uh, could play baseball real good uh, but didn't have an opportunity obviously to get into that to get into the pros um, to be able to do that so that's why we're talking about this today because this is a powerful entity that provided not only entertainment, but economic benefit to the black community. And we've asked to join us uh, a very dear brother. Uh, his name is um, Mr. Dennis Biddle. Uh, Mr. Biddle uh, is a very powerful figure in that system. He used to play for the Chicago Giants. Uh, he was a 17-year-old pitcher. And uh, and then uh, he was just, and we want him to talk a little bit about that because I don't think we talked much about that the last time he was on, but we're going to talk about that. 
And then uh, he has also been a strong advocate and voice uh, for an organization called Yesterday's Negro Baseball League. And they are looking at providing benefits for a lot of those men uh, that played in that who are now, some are still living, and they um, are obviously elderly, uh, and they need benefits. And they dedicated their life and their time uh, to providing entertainment for our communities. And so it's really, really important uh, for us to understand that. There is uh, a lot of resources out there that, uh, you know, this is a think tank, black reality think tank. I always like to tell you about resources. There's a lot of resources that we can look at where people have tried to catalog the, the history of this, uh, this, this wonderful phenomena. Uh, and they've created films and movies, and there's even books about uh, the Negro Baseball League. Uh, Bingo Long and the Traveling All-Stars was a wonderful movie that uh, Motown did uh, to try to capture a lot of the essence of that. And I learned a lot. I remember that movie. I learned a lot from it. Some of the stuff I I didn't know either um, and and how critical it played into the the black community. And then there was another one uh, called Only the Ball Was White. And that was basically the story of the great Josh Gibson and uh, and he was battling mental illness, but at the same time, he still was a giant of a baseball player. And then it obviously talked about the nurturing and the moving in of African Americans <coughs> into the, the the major leagues, uh, as we all know, uh, the great Satchel Page and uh, Jackie Robinson breaking into that, and that, that whole story around uh, number 44. <coughs> so this is what it's all about tonight. We're going to chip chat about that, and um, Mr. Scott. Mr. Scott, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing just fine, Dr. Rogers. Thanks for having me on. And, yes, sir. Uh, I'd like to say hello to Mr. Biddle and all the listeners. Yeah. It's a pleasure, always a pleasure, to be on the Black Reality uh, Think Tank, and I am always family. You know that. That's right. You sure are, man, because uh, Mr. Scott's uh, son, grandson, used to uh, do our uh, ancestral profile and he, now he's on his way to san diego state university am i right Is no that actually the no U- usd university of san diego university of san diego i'm sorry so university of san diego both, both, that's right both are division one division one colleges fantastic i love it and i'm so proud of uh, james um named james scott and he is a you know, wonderful wonderful young man i saw it coming when he was in middle school he started with us and when he was in middle school <laughs> And so, yeah, he did. Yep, and so I really appreciate him and what he did it here. So I think Mr. Biddle is here. Mr. Biddle, are you here? I'm here. All right, my brother. How you I'm doing here. today? I'm uh, I'm doing fine. Um, Good. Thank I'm, you. I'm blessed by the I'm blessed by the best, and uh, I do the rest. Okay, beautiful, beautiful. I appreciate you for agreeing to come on. We we're gonna talk about something that's dear to your heart. And uh, probably a lot of our brothers and sisters on here is dear to them as well. Uh, that old game of baseball. and uh, But not only just the game itself, we want to talk about the benefit it provided for African Americans uh, in the United States. And so uh, we're here to, to talk with him and talk about uh, yesterday's Negro Baseball League and, and kind of some of the things that are going on. So, Mr. Biddle, why don't we start? I want to ask you, uh, you know, you've been on our program three times and uh, we all loved you every minute of it. We always had good reviews from from your broadcast. And I know you have been working diligently uh, to um, 
to try to uh, champion that cause of the yesterday's Negro Baseball League. And so I guess I want to ask you to give us a report card uh, of where you are with that and what has happened since the last time you were on here in terms of uh, making that organization do what it, as, as, the great, as the great Ray Charles said, make it do what it do, baby. So, you know, tell us about it, uh, Mr. Biddle. Okay, well, uh, quite a few fellows have passed on. Uh, we are down to less than 30 players now. Uh, Mr. Biddle, really? let me, Mr. Biddle, uh, are you, are you yeah. on a, uh, are you on a cell phone? Yeah. I'm, I'm getting a little fuzzy sound. Um, okay. A little bit. Well, I, I got an earphone, so why don't I take it off and get on it? Okay. Try, okay, you can try it now. Try it now and see. Okay, can you hear me? Oh now? yeah, oh, there we go. All right, okay, <laughs> much better. That's much yeah. better. Okay, so well, go right first, ahead. first of all, I want to say uh, uh, the Milwaukee Brewers will be honoring us July the twenty second here in, in, in Milwaukee. Hmm. It'll be several players here from the Negro League that can come. Uh, but like I said in the beginning, we have we lost quite a few players. They gone home to glory. Yeah. Uh, you know, most of the players that's living now in their nineties, eighties mm. and nineties. I'm I'm eighty seven myself. Mm. And uh I'm classified as the youngest one. Okay. But uh Library of Congress got me listed as the youngest to play in the Negro Baseball League. <clears throat> right. I'm also the president of yesterday's Negro League Baseball Player Foundation. Now Yesterday's is uh, the word we use to, re- to, to uh, you know, let the people know that that players still living. Yesterday was put together because for the living players of the okay. Negro baseball team. This was this was started back in 1996, uh, but now we're down to less than 30 players, and uh, the history uh, for players. Uh, living players is just about gone, but we're making sure. And, and I promise uh, the older guys that, that that I would make sure that our young people know the true history. See, uh, I, I I heard you talk about a lot of things about the Negro League, but there's a lot of uh, things about the Negro League that uh, is not accurate. Uh, okay. And it hurts. It hurts me to have been there and hear this. You know, um, organizations have taken advantage of our name and likeness. They are making a lot of money, mm-hmm. and they're using the Negro League as a business to make money. Mm-hmm. And uh, they are, uh, the history of it of the Negro League is being kind of passed over. There's a lot of books written about us, and uh, these books are written, some of the books are written about people who weren't even born when we were playing. Mm. Uh, a lot of the information that has been passed down about the Negro League uh, was from a few newspaper clippings and a couple of interviews they got from some of the older guys. And they put that together to try to tell a story. Mm-hmm. 
But in doing that, a lot of the true history was passed over. You know, I wrote a book called Secrets of the Negro Baseball League. Okay. And, uh, What's the name again? The say, say that again. What's the name of it again? Secrets of the Negro Baseball okay. League, Secret. as told by Dennis Biddle. All right. Uh, this book is on the market. It's in all the bookstores, but it's also for autographed copy. You can get it at the uh, Yesterday Negro League store at Mayfair Mall. Yeah, I heard that you had a store now. That's excellent. Yeah. Great. Well, it's not my store. It, my wife uh, put it together. Uh, uh, to uh, tip, we have a, a traveling exhibit there. Mm-hmm. The mall, the mall wanted to keep it there, so she just put a table up there. And uh, uh, four days a week, we go in there, and I sign autographs, and and uh, you can get my book and some mm-hmm. other Negro League memorabilia. Well, what what day? What days are you open? So whoever uh, the Thursday, day here, Thursday through Saturday. Thursday through Saturday. Okay. From, because I know there's from 11, a... From, yeah, from 11 to 5. 11 to 5, Thursday through 7. 11 to 5, yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I know a so brother that who, who told me about it, and he's going to... How do you purchase it online, Mr. Biddle? Well, I don't, I, I, I know Amazon got it. You can get anything from Amazon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, you can, you can wanna, get I it wanna, from... You, if you want an autographed copy, though, you have to get it from uh, uh, yesterday, Negro League... Uh, uh, com. Okay, great. Okay, okay. Right. Well, okay. I'm going to make sure I get a copy of that. Uh, Mr. Biddle, yeah. um, why don't yes. you, can you tell us, uh, in, in, in just a minor way, some of the, the the untruths that have been said about the Negro Baseball League um, that may be, yeah. uh, that we can correct uh, kind of okay. now? Because, see, a lot of times, you know, it's not done, you know, uh, harmlessly by by. You know, participants. Yeah, they just I'm not. By what they heard. I'm sure that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure some of the, the historians and writers did the best they could do. Right. See, a lot of our history was written down. That's true. See, and that's what that's where the, uh, the that's where the untruth come in. Right. Uh, a lot of it, they, the, the historians and writers outlived a lot of the history by getting a part of what happened and putting the rest to it. Right. And okay. then telling the story, but uh, you know the true history, and 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 I'm leaving it for my young people. They're gonna know the true history. Right. Jackie Robinson was not the first black man to play in the majors. Okay. And like they, like the school teaching them, he was uh, a great ball player. Right. And and but he was not the first one. See, the first black ball player was named Moses Fleetwood Walker, mm-hmm. back in the 1800s. See, in the late 1800s, black men was playing in the major leagues. Mm-hmm. And uh, they kicked them out, see. And the way they kicked them out wasn't pretty, wasn't nice. So they they, they didn't write about it. They didn't write about it. Okay. Uh, and the uh, first commissioner of Major League Baseball kept it going because he, he called it a white man's sport. And uh, the owners... You know, when you really look at this down through the years, you're talking about 40 years, it, it had to have been some owner felt, hey, this is wrong what we're doing. Right. And uh, But this is what uh, some of the writers wrote down. Uh, the, the, the managers and owners was, was afraid of society. Mm-hmm. 
wouldn't accept the fact that black men are now playing the major league. Mm -hmm. See, the Negro League ended twice. They don't talk about that because they don't know about it. Only the players that were there. This is, I'm telling you something that was handed down to me as a 17-year-old sitting in the dugout, sitting in the restaurants, sitting in the hotel room, listening. They, they was handing this history down to me because they knew somehow it was going to be misinterpreted. Right, exactly. Uh, they, they don't talk about the fact the Negro League ended twice. It ended in 1929. Hmm. That was the start of the Depression. The Negro League team didn't have money to continue on, mm -hmm. but thank goodness to the, they had made a name for themselves. Right. What about uh, the stories and, around Rube Foster? Uh, is okay, it, Rube. Uh-huh. Well, Rube Foster, uh, he was the one that took the chance and, and uh, organized the first the Negro League. Right. He he had some help, but as always, there was you know, there was some uh, people with money, and most of them was white people. Mm -hmm. Well, saw what a, a money-making industry the Negro League was, mm -hmm. because that that style and technique of playing ball was different than that of the whites. It was mm -hmm. more excited. It was more daring. And a lot of people came out to watch them play because of that. And uh, once the Depression hit, these these men with money who knew there was a money-making industry wanted to make more money, they brought back 16 of those teams. And that's what they call the Negro Baseball League. Mm. Because, see, those men, those owners, and, and, and it was a couple of black owners, but most of them were white businessmen. They went on the ground. Uh, no one knew who owned the team. Okay. See, this is what was mis misleading. They went on the ground. They hired black men fronting as they owned the team. And, and, yes, and, and see, you, you don't, yes, sir. No, go, go right ahead. No, own. Phil, hold on a second, Phil. Go ahead, one go second. Ahead, go ahead. I'm go sorry. right go ahead. ahead. Finish, finish. Go ahead and finish, Mr. Biddle. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, uh, they had black men fronting as they owned the team. Mm -hmm. And 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 this is what was handed down to me. Now, what happened is that <clears throat> these men wanted to make more money. So what they did is put together a black all-star team and a white all-star team mm -hmm. and packed the stadiums all over the country. Mm -hmm. They 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 their style and technique of play was so different than that of the major leagues until the major leagues start using some of their styles and techniques in the play. A lot of things the major leagues are doing today, sir, you're not going to find this in many books, but a lot of the play that they're doing today came from the Negro Baseball League. Right. The hit and run, one of the greatest plays in baseball, came from the Negro Baseball League. It was called a bunt and run then. Yeah. Because those players could run. But see, all of this is... Uh, that I'm telling you now going to be in my second book that I'm writing now. Okay. But uh, it's it's I want I want audience to know that the Negro League broke up twice, once in '29 and one in '49. Hmm. It got back together in 1950, and it went to 1963. Hmm. Without even getting 
a recognition from the media that much. The right. media, very little is written down about the Negro League after 1949, and that's the problem that we are having today because of that. Okay. The major league, the major leagues announced a few months ago that they're going to use the stats of the Negro League. First of all, they're going to make the Negro League equal to the major league. That's okay. Yeah, I saw that. I but saw they went that. But they went further than that and said, we're going to use the stats. Now, how are you going to use the stats when half of them wasn't even written down? Hmm. And, you know, what, what, what about the, the true history? Hank Aaron would have hit over 100 home runs if they used the stats. Okay. Mm-hmm. Josh Gibson would have hit over 100. But they, 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 they made a mistake, and they're trying to cover it up now, I'm sure, because uh, – you don't hear much about it now, right. about the stats and stuff. Okay, it's, it's no way they can do it. Uh, it's so much. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna uh, in my new book. I'm gonna uh, <clears throat> leave for my young people what really what was handed down to me. What really happened? I wasn't born to 1935, mm-hmm. but a lot of this happened that I'm talking about now happened before I was born. You know, and I couldn't understand why they were telling me things that happened in the Negro League, which I'm now a part of, that happened before I was born. Mm-hmm. But this is the history they knew was not going to be told accurate. And they wanted someone to know what really happened. Okay. That's and I, and, and okay. that's what I I, okay. I do. All right. Well, okay. uh, let me, let's see. Uh, Mr. Scott, why don't you... Uh, <laughs> uh, Bring in what you some of the things you wanted to talk about. He was talking about owners. I, I was yeah. going to ask him about a particular owner, but he said so much more. Like, wow, I, I distinctly remember a lot of the lectures when you came out to Lake Lyon Resort, uh, and I was with New Concepts, uh, New Concept Development with Miss June Perry, and we had we had we had quite a few. Uh, young men out there and uh everybody was just at all with the lecture um and i remember a lot of things that you talked about and uh i was going to ask you uh about gus green in terms of the owners actually yeah. who was gus green green was one of the owners black owners and uh he 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 came in pittsburgh Came into Pittsburgh and 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 and, and Pittsburgh had an owner, had a, a white owner that owned the Pittsburgh Crawfords, and he came into town and uh, started the numbers game. They don't talk right. much about that. The right. numbers game in Pittsburgh, Gus Greenland ran it. He made so much money. He built a stadium, called it the Homestead Grave, and and. And paid a lot of those players in the Negro League more money than what they were getting to build that team and call it the Homestead Grace. So Josh Gibson started with the Pittsburgh Crawfords, but he ended up with the Homestead Grace. Hmm. That's how that happened. Okay. Gus Greenland and and uh, and you know I listened to some of the older guys a few years ago talk about uh, his wife. She kept it going after he died and then they put her into the baseball hall of fame with hmm. all these great black ball players that played in the negro league 
they're going to put a woman owner that she has heard it from her husband in the Hall of Fame. And mm. uh, that was kind of shocked to all the players that, you know, we, it's, it's so much. I, is is I, that the, uh, Mr. Biddle, something that you said, I mean, it struck me uh, when in, in that election because there was a time that blacks and whites were playing together in the baseball league. And uh, you talked about this judge. There was a judge, the commissioner, he right. stepped down or something, and a judge, this was like during the 1800s or something like that. And, um, now, the judge, judge came here. Judge Kinsaw Landers was the first commissioner of Major League Baseball. They call him the judge because he was a judge from Kentucky. And right. he was the first commissioner. And he was the one that stopped him from playing. See, right. the, the, these uh, these uh, money-making people, and I call them uh, businessmen, right, businessmen, most of them, what they were doing, they were setting up after the season, they were set up an all-star game against the black All-Stars and the white All-Stars. And the black All-Stars won all the game but six. And then he made them stop playing because he said, y'all got everything to lose and they got everything to gain. But the, the, the history of baseball was, was gaining then to society. And, and in 1944, Ken saw that Leonard died. And when okay. he died, the next commissioner, Happy Chandler, took over. And uh, I was told this now. Chandler called all the owners into a room said, this is too embarrassing to me. Y'all won't let these guys play in your league. Y'all playing yep. against them in the All-Star game, and uh, and they y'all renting your stadium to play in. They, they draw more fans than you do. So I will not keep any owner that want to make a change. But that was when Branch Rickett came in later. But uh, none of the owners wanted to take a chance because uh, they were scared of society, what society would think. So what happened is that uh, <clears throat> uh, Branch Rickey, he was a businessman too now. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Branch Rickey, the, first, the second commissioner of Major League Bay, he saw what was happening. He knew a change was coming, and he got ahead of it. He started looking. He, he hired a, a, a young man that had an interest, Branch Rickey, from uh, 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 the Dodgers, young man that had a mission. And Rickey, he, he, he knew what he, what he had to do. He knew he couldn't just open the door because society would not accept that. So he said, I'm going to get one and open the door, and then you'll get two and three and four, and then the door will be open which was a good thought, a good thing, but he didn't know that that uh, <clears throat> those players, that he he had to find one that would understand change. And that was the most difficult job that this man had to do, finding one player. He interviewed over 200 players in the Negro League. Jackie Robinson was not even in the league when this was going on. He, he interviewed Dr. Page, Josh Gimpton, James Bell. He interviewed all those players, and each one he turned them down because of their attitude. They would not accept what the challenge they would have to go through being the first one. 
Ricky knew if he put Sacopage in there and he they call him a name, he's going to hit him with the ball. And that's going <laughs> to mess up the whole thing. He couldn't do that. So he kept looking. And and, 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 and I'm going to end the part there because once Jackie got there, that was another story. Another story, Jackie, right when he came to the uh, Kansas City Monarchs. Ladies and gentlemen, we're talking to the. Uh, we're talking uh, to the, 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 the gentleman's agreement. Well, I think you oh, called that, it. Go that ahead, was back please. in that was that was back in in in, in the eighteen hundreds. This is how, this is how. See, was that a hand? All the owners got together. All, all the owners got together. And. See, black men was playing in the major leagues. A lot of black men was playing. Right, it, was coming right. in, it was coming in too fast. And that was that bothered the white power structure. They don't talk about it, man, because this is what was handed down to me from those old guys that was there. It bothered the power structure. So what they did is uh, is that we got to get, they had a meeting. And each one voted that they would not hire, each manager voted that they would not hire another black man to play in the, in on the team. And this is what they call a gentleman's agreement. They each, each one of them agreed that they would not hire another. Almost overnight, all those great black ball players that was playing in the major league disappeared. Twenty years later was when Ruth Foster said, well, we got enough black team, we're going to form our own league. It's going to be called a Negro Baseball League. This was in 1920. And the history was from that point on. But the gentleman's agreement, Supreme Court passed a law, and it's legally legal to separate. They got away with it. That's how they did it. That's why it's called the Great Gentleman's Agreement. But you said the first one was called the Negro Baseball League, but what about the Negro National League? What was that? that? Okay. What happened? You remember the football league, the National Football League? All of a sudden, uh, those uh, men with a lot of money got together and brought in American Football League. Okay. Same thing happened back then. That was what different teams. There were about four or five different uh, came up with teams, Negro League teams, and they and and, and it almost destroyed the league, the Negro League, because. Those those leagues didn't last but a year. They came in and 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 paid. They had a lot of money, and they bought better the best ball players from each team. You know, paid them more money than what they were getting. Almost broke up the whole league. But it, uh, Ruth Foster, being a businessman, and he was here alone. And. Uh, uh, you know, those other teams didn't last for a year. Those leagues didn't last for a year. So, But they were part of the Negro Baseball League. Mm-hmm. Okay, gentlemen, so ladies, gentlemen, we are okay. listening to uh, uh, Mr. Dennis Biddle uh, of yesterday's Negro Baseball League. Uh, he's here with us today on the Black Reality Think Tank. I'm your host, William Rogers. This is a call-in format. For those of you who are listening via the internet, you can give us a call if you have a question or comment. Uh, the number is 215-490-9832. I repeat, 
1-800-273-9832. And we are talking with Mr. Dennis Biddle, one of the living members of the Negro Baseball League. And he's sharing with us some very intimate uh, points about the league that maybe many of us may not have known. And we really uh, do appreciate that. Joining me in this conversation is Mr. Philip Scott, uh, who is co-hosting uh, and has been with us before. Mr. This is Mr. Diddle's about his third time being with us here. And he's just asking uh, and talking about some of the things that has happened since the last time he was here. Uh, Mr. Biddle, I want to ask one question about the ownership again and the owners. Um, I know that there's some indication that those uh, African-American members who did own some of those teams a lot of them were undertakers and insurance agents and things like that. Is that correct? Is that part true? Yeah, that was in the beginning. In okay. The beginning. Okay. It started in 1920. Most of those teams were owned by black people, okay. um, entertainers, movie stars. Uh, any black person that had money owned the team. Right. Okay. okay? And that's what happened back in. in 1920. And then you said then 29, that, that, that was the oppression, right? That was when the oppression hit. Depression. No, the oppression hit in 29. That's what I'm saying, in 29. That's what I'm saying, That's when the league ended because they didn't, the money got, you know, they didn't have money to continue on. Okay. Mm -hmm. they, and a lot of the teams just fell out. They couldn't travel. They couldn't do nothing. Right. But that, that, that businessman, that, and I, you know, I said it because most of them was white businessmen. There was a couple of black men, like Greenlee, <laughs> but most of them was, was white businessmen. Now, now in the last 25 years, I have tried to find one of those owners. Mm -hmm. I have not been successful. I got close, close couple of times. Great, great uncle, great, great uncle owned the Negro League team back mm -hmm. in the 30s, you know. And uh, I got close a couple of times, but I never. Uh, you know, got a, got a name. I never even got a name. Mm -hmm. But I know that's what happened to the Negro League after 1949. See, those those fronters, those men that were fronted, they owned the team. Mm -hmm. uh, once uh, the league ended, they didn't have money to continue on. One one owner would own two or three teams. We had a couple of dentists that lived in Memphis on three or four teams, and then uh, uh, there were some more black owners, uh, you know, trying to keep it together. Right. But what, what what really happened, and this is what was handed down to me, Jackie Robinson, he didn't really open the door. He cracked, he cracked the door because the door was not open for nine years before every major league team had a black ball player. And people don't talk about that. They don't think about They don't even know some of them. Mm -hmm. The Boston Red Sox was the last team to get a black ball player. And uh, what was handed down to me is those men that was in their early 20s, late 20s, and early 30s would have been in major leagues. But they, those teams couldn't have but one. And, and some didn't have none for many years. Those players became coaches managers of, of, of the Negro League teams, okay? They prepared the younger players. And I'm saying this because I'm one of them. Mm -hmm. Hank Aaron was one of them. Willie Mays was one of them. 
uh, uh, Ernie Banks, Gene Baker, they were one of them. All of, there were a lot of players that were prepared for the major league by these players that was too old to go in when the opportunity came for them. Okay. And this is a part of the history that they yeah, didn't true. write that down. What about they the, didn't uh, know that? What about those um, those uh, teams that were operating in some of the smaller cities that weren't a part of the the major ones? Like uh, like I said, in my hometown, there was a team called the Durham Rams. They weren't a part of the the, the bigger league. Uh, what were they? Were they the farm teams? Were they the ones that See, were what feeding? Happened? What happened? No, we had no farm team. Okay. What happened is is at nineteen. Now after nineteen, after the depression, after the, and, and after Jackie Robinson, okay. The teams, they call them Brumstoning, okay. Okay. They can say that from the ones in the beginning, cause they all Brumstone all the way down from the thirties to the to to the sixties. We Brumstone. <clears throat> they played anybody. They played a lot of local teams for money. They, they had a, you know, we played each other. That was a big game. But leading up to that game, we played two or three games in between with local teams just to get money to travel on. Mm. Because, but we were being trained. We were being trained. But this is how those those uh, guys that missed their calling set it up. The booking agent made the money. He made he got his money and he gone to the next city to set up another game. Once he found out the the Negro League team is going to to Memphis, he would set two or three games up between there for them. To, you know they got sixty forty percent of the game. If you won, you got sixty percent. If you lost, you got forty. So a lot of those players, a lot of those players would say we played in the Negro League. They mm. play, played against the Negro League team, and they were used, we played in the Negro League. But you know that's that, and some of them uh, did. A lot of the playoffs came from those teams too, because if somebody got hurt on sixteen teams, is all we could carry. If somebody got hurt, they would offer the best player on the other team a chance to travel in the Negro League, okay. and a lot of players signed that way. Therefore, becoming Negro League ball player. Mm. We didn't have a farm system. Gotcha, gotcha. What about the um, the, the Cubans and the Dominican Republic? Because uh, those were all heavy baseball uh, areas and stuff. Yeah. Did they did they get involved? Well, with, see, see, uh, see, that started way back. There are a lot of Negro League ball players that played in the over there. Okay, that's where the Negro League teams in the early years went and played during the winter months so here. Hmm. They went over there and played. They recruited a lot of those players. They brought them back with them here. Now, the New York Cubans uh, played in New York. It was the New York Cubans. But all those teams had a lot of uh, Latin players on them. Okay. So that was, a, uh, that was a... They made more money across the sea than they did back here. <laughs> so okay. they... They uh, uh, and that's how that got started. But see that that went into the major leagues because <clears throat> the major leagues, the only way the major league could get a Latin player is they had to send a scout over there and find one, the one that had major league potential. They would take care of his family, get him the best of training, 
And when you knew one thing, he was with the New York Yankees. That's mm-hmm. how that happened. Mm-hmm. Now, they they couldn't draft. The Major League could not draft a Latin player, a runner of players over there. Only now they can. But for many years, they couldn't. Couldn't uh, draft a player from over there. But they could get him from the Negro League. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So a lot of those players now... Uh, Okay. <laughs> Most of the players are drafted scout they scout high schools. That's what he's done. Okay. High schools, high school. colleges and playgrounds. That's how all of the Negro League team Negro League players came from. Either high school, college or playground. That's okay. how they came. Okay. So but but and then and once Jackie opened the door, they start taking those players from from those areas. That's what quite a Negro League society because they couldn't compete with the Major League. Major League now drafted players out of high school and college. That's what a Negro League team was getting them from. Now they can't compete with the Major League. So by 1963, the Negro League died, ended. Mm-hmm. They could no longer compete. And that was, that was Bryce Ricky's long-range goal, you know. Is to, kill the, to kill the Negro League. No, mm-hmm. his long-range goal was to use the Negro League as a minor league system for the major league. Right. This is something the historians don't know. They don't know that. Yeah. yeah. This was his long-range goal. And when he went to do this, uh, they, he went to implement his plan. He, 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 he couldn't compete with the major league. Right. Major league had started getting their players from the same sources. The Negro League team got them, and they couldn't compete. So... Ricky just went on, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, based on the movie, that's exactly what it showed because it showed uh, uh, Jack, uh, Jackie Robinson going to a minor league team um, through Mr. Ricky and then advanced on to the major league. Is that correct? Yeah, that was Canada. But see what happened. <clears throat> Mr. Sherwood Brewer, who started this organization, played Wilson against them all. He was playing second base for the Kansas City Monarchs when Jackie came. They took Jackie in a room, he said, and set him down and said, Branch Ricky is looking for someone to open the door. He said, Jackie didn't even understand what you're talking about. What about Sasha Page and Josh Gibson all in? And uh, he said, they 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 great ball players. But Ricky was looking for someone that understood change. And Jackie didn't understand what they were talking about. They took Jackie on the road with them one year. You don't see that in no book nowhere. All you see is Branch Ricky meeting Jackie. They, the Kansas City Monarch took Jackie on the road, showed him what he had. To, he was going to go through more up there. And when they got him ready, he said, I'll do it. And that's when they called Branch Ricky, and that's where you see Branch Ricky talking to Jackie. Right. But you, they, you don't see that in no book nowhere. They just see Branch Ricky's scouted jacket did. did. No, no, he didn't. The Negro League ball player got Jackie ready because Jackie had been to college. He had played Wilson against White. He understood change. He understood what he was getting ready to do or open the door for other blacks to be able to play in the major league. Mm-hmm. He, 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 had, he was in the military, too, also. Is that correct? He was in who was that, Jackie? Yes. Jackie played. They, when Brent Ricky signed Jackie 
They sent him to Montreal just to learn the major league way. All of those players were major league players. They didn't need no minor league. They need to know the, the major league way, and that's what they did to them, most of them. What do you mean by major league way? What, what is that? What is, well, can, you, can you explain that? Well, well, you know, there's a lot of things. The major league, like signs and and, 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 and things uh, uh, that, you know, professionals do. Okay, you know, I got you. They, they, I got you. Okay. Yeah, okay. I got and that's what they that's what they did. But a lot of those players never went to the minor leagues. Mm. Okay. They sent right in the major leagues. They learned, you know, and they taught them there what to do. We're going to open it, up the, so much about it. Mm-hmm. We're, we're going to open yeah. up the lines in a few minutes to uh, give our audience a chance to uh, ask <coughs> questions of Mr. Biddle. Um, we right now we just kind of talking, getting a foundation of where things are since you know as I said he had been on our program a couple of times and so we wanted to kind of bring it all up to date uh, to that and so as I said joining me in this conversation is Mr. Phil Scott he's uh, co-hosting with me today uh, so we appreciate that and so we're going to open up the lines in just a few minutes to give everybody a chance to, that may want to ask Mr. Biddle a question or make a comment. Mr. Biddle I want to ask you about uh, I guess this is more of a social question than it is about the, the business aspect of it. Uh, when I got into understanding baseball, which was, like you said, in, it was around the early 50s, which at that point it was going out, I remember a team uh, called the uh, Indianapolis Clowns. And um, they used to come and do like the Harlem Grove try to do, play different in parks, you know, in big festivals, obviously, and joke. I'm wondering... From your understanding, your knowledge was was the community accepting of that? Was that a, was that somebody white behind that uh, creating the buffoonish like, yes. like they did the Globe Trotters? Yeah, what, you know, tell yeah, us. Yeah, white on the team. Say white on the team. Okay. Uh, what happened there? It was the it was the Indianapolis ABCs. Okay. Uh-huh. They only changed it to the clown when uh, Abe Satcher team had a team called the uh, Harlem. Harlem Trotters uh, baseball team, and uh, uh, he was in the Negro Baseball League. And uh, they hired Jesse Owens, remember? Right after the Olympics, they hired Jesse Owens to do running exhibition for the fans mm. against a racehorse. Mm. That was the only job he could get. But that's another part of the history. But uh, then, <clears throat> see, once Jackie opened the door, mm-hmm. and, 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 some major league teams start folding up. Negro league teams start folding up. Uh, Indianapolis Clowns went independent. Mm-hmm. They hired two women. Uh, they hired. They they brought uh, Hank Aaron in. Hank Aaron played, but those were done by those men that was that missed that call, and they brought Henry in to get him ready for the major league because he was already major league talent, mm. and so was a lot of the other guys. But uh, it was the Indianapolis ABC. They only went to the Indianapolis Clowns after Abe Satcher's team, team fell out the league. Then they they, they, and they, they were going to do like the Hope Trotter did, you know, clown right, right. before the game and stuff. But those guys could play just like the rest of them. <laughs> mm, okay. They could okay. clown, but they could play too. Yeah. Right, I re- and the reason I asked that question is that uh, I remember – uh, in, in in my hometown in, in Durham, North Carolina, I remember that uh, there were a group of folk that didn't want to go 
see that. And uh, my parent forbid me to go see the clowns, and I wanted to go. I wanted to go to the game to see the Indianapolis clowns. I heard so much about it, mm-hmm. but they wouldn't let me go. So from your understanding, was that a, also uh, a distasteful thing to many black people in the community because they were being uh, buffooneries and things like that? No, no. The only, the only distasteful thing was hiring Jesse Owens to run against a racehorse. Okay. I felt that yeah. five gold medals he won in the Olympics, and the only job he could get was running against a race horse yeah. at a game. Well, maybe that was it. Yeah. You know, I felt that was, you know, but for the team itself, that was the Cincinnati Clowns, too. Oh, okay. Uh, that was more than just the Indianapolis Clowns, the Cincinnati Clowns. I think it was uh, 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 another team in Michigan, but they were just clown. you know. That was, a, uh, I guess, Gold Trout Apes did it for the so the guys could rest up, <laughs> okay. you know, rest okay. while they clowning. But uh, Major League, they was entertainment. That was entertainment. They, so you can say that uh, uh, Indianapolis became an entertainment uh, uh, team. But okay. they owned the clown in the first before the game. Okay. Once the game started, there was no clowning. Oh, they played real ball. <laughs> it was okay. all business. Okay. Yeah, it was all business. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Mr. Scott, Mr. before Perry, we go to the question, question. Uh-huh. Uh, how, how old, I mean, everybody, you know, I, I don't know if they ever got it right about Satchel Page, but exactly how old was Satchel Page when he actually played in the major league? And, and how long did he, you know, play with the Negro League and then to the majors and, and you know, so on? I mean, just... Well, Satchel Page Page was a a story within himself, okay? Uh Nobody knew how old he was. His own daughter, they never produced a birth certificate for Leroy. And, you know, he always said, when they asked him how old he was, he said, I'm going to play forever. And he (laughs) almost did. Uh, uh, he, He did go to the major leagues, but he was given an uh, age by the, by the Cleveland the manager the psychic we gotta give you an age he said well give me an age they said we gonna say you're 48 he said okay so he used that age the rest of his life 48 in 1948 mm-hmm. I'm sorry I'm sorry 42 in 1948 he used 42 in 1948 and that that was his age throughout the rest of his life that's what he you know he used that but uh he was in the Negro League for five and a half years. And he had to play six years in the Major League to get a pitcher. But Sacha made more money bumps on and around than he did in the Major League. And what happened is that he uh, he went to the uh, uh, Atlanta Braves. He needed three months to get his pitcher. The Atlanta Braves brought him back for three months. And they got a rocking chair, put it out by the dugout. Thousand and they thousands of people would come every game just to see him sit in that rocking chair. Take a picture of him. And uh he made uh they made a lot of money, but you know, he he did get his pension. Great. It kept him long enough to get his pension, yeah. So now where are you where is the uh, yesterday's Negro League about the pension uh, benefits? Uh is that uh, Well that's a that's another thing now. Uh we since the major league said we are equal now to the major league, 
Uh, the major leagues, thanks to us, went from six years to two years. Now it's 43 days. So if you played in the major league 43 days, you classify for the major league pitcher. So we're waiting now because, you know, we got uh, about 18 players that played one or two years. The criteria to get it now in the major league is three years from the Negro League. You have to play in the Negro League three years to qualify for what they call a volunteer payment plan, in which Bud Seeley put that up in force. Mm. Uh, yeah. But that, in my book, I, I, it's all there. Everything, documents and things to prove. Everything I've said here is in that book just about. Give us the name of the book once more. Secrets of the Negro Baseball League, as told by Dennis Biddle. Secrets of the Negro Baseball League, as told by Dennis Biddle. Yes. And for those who, who yes. may live in Wisconsin that have just come on, uh, he has a store in Mayfield Mall. Um, Upstairs across from Burns and Nova Bookstore. Right, exactly. Okay. I know exactly where you are. And you uh, basically are you're autographing and selling the book. Uh, what, what other things do you have there? Yeah. I got autographed baseballs. I uh, got a DVD that was put together by the players that are still living that played in the Negro League, which is we're trying to get the DVD and the book into all the uh, school systems. Great. We got it in Milwaukee Public School System. Great. It's already there. But we, we want all the kids to have an opportunity to know the truth, and it's there with Great. documents to prove it. Great. Great. Exactly. Um, what about the um, – now, I know that uh, – Bishop Daniels at Holy Redeemer uh, has a lot of your memorabilia on display. Does that, is that still in that museum now, out in Ground Deer? Yeah, that's uh, yeah. He still got the Wall of Fame. It's right, a story right, exactly. behind that. It, uh, next time I come on, I'll talk about that because it's the story behind that. And okay. that's every year, every year Holy Redeemer. In the past, every year Holy Redeemer and uh, the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, sponsor bringing the Negro League players to town. The church got the Wall of Fame. Right, I see. The Brewers, Brewers got Wall of Honor. But it's a story behind all of that. Next time I, I talk about that. Okay, all right, okay, yeah. That's a story within itself, yeah. Fantastic, fantastic. Uh, anything you want to say, Mr. Scott, before we go to break? No, no, no. Um, I'll wait after the break. Okay. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back and open up our lines so that. Uh, our audience can uh, provide uh, questions or information or comments that you might have. Uh, we we want to talk a little bit about, um, uh, again, some of that um, honoring. I just read an article uh, in preparation for tonight's program about the baseball team uh, in North Carolina called the Durham Bulls recently honored the yesterday's Negro League. So I want to ask Mr. Biddle to talk a little bit about that and what was that all about. And so we kind of get to the understanding of that. So anyway, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back.
Finley Medical Clinic. We serve uninsured, underinsured, and insured individuals. Open Monday through Thursday from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Urgent Care Clinic Friday and Saturday from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Call for an appointment at 414-988-3079. Finley Medical Clinic is accepting new patients. Vaccines and screenings for uninsured, underinsured, and insured. Located at 10721 West Capitol Drive, Suite 110. Call our office for an appointment today at 414- You are listening to Black Reality Think Tank with host Dr. William Rogers on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Okay, we are back, sisters and brothers, and we are talking with Mr. Dennis Biddle of yesterday's Negro Baseball League. And joining me within the conversation is Mr. Philip Scott, uh, who has uh, been with us each time that we have brought Mr. Biddle on to our program. And so we thank you all so much for joining us. Uh, Mr. Scott, you want to uh, uh, add anything before I go to the lines? Uh, yeah. Um, you know, I heard some, some, some gentlemen talking about, you know, uh, black players uh, from the Negro League. And they was, you know, always talking about Satchel Page, Josh Gibson, and such. And uh, <clears throat> people were saying that uh, everybody thought Josh, Josh Gibson was crazy. But they said what happened to Josh Gibson was actually he had a brain tumor mm. that was causing him to have those mental health those mental health problems. Like he didn't well, was not just you know uh, he was not as they would say just crazy. And later on they found out that he had a brain tumor. So I don't know. Do you know anything about that? Um. From the old fellas, I never played. I never saw Josh. I never played with or against him. He died in '47. Uh, the players that talked about Josh to me, all they talked about, they don't know uh, what he hit a home run in every park in the major leagues, and they don't remember a game where he played where he didn't hit the ball out of the park. So. Uh, <laughs> He never mentioned to me about a brain tumor. I only saw that in that that a movie, Hollywood movie made. Yeah, when only about the, the brain tumor. Yeah. They they accused him a lot. They accused the players of drinking a lot. All of them drank, but me, yeah. I couldn't. <laughs> but uh, they never mentioned to me about a brain tumor. Okay. So I can't. I can't. I can't address that. Yeah, well, they're shooting Josh of uh, thinking and drugs, but uh, some of these guys, they, they were older guys. They said Josh had a, a brain tumor. I see, and I had said when I, it just came back to me. I said, well, when I talked to Mr. Biddle again, I'm, I'm going to ask him. And, I, and you know, Mr. Biddle, there's some, some, I've talked to quite a few kids. I'm here in Arizona, actually, and, uh-huh. and a lot of kids here play base, baseball. And they can practice outside all year round, you know. And right. a lot of the black the black children, I tell them about uh, you and the things you talk about, and they're so interested. But I, it, it's, mm-hmm. you know, uh, everything's so spread apart. I would like to get them all together so that uh, 
you can they you can they can call you or you can talk to them. And one gentleman has two boys. In fact, he wanted them to listen tonight. They're the game right now. Um, mm. I, this this is in Arizona. I, yes, I think I did purchase a book and, and and presented it to him. I did. I think I did order your book and I presented it to him. So I'm glad we're talking about that because he owes okay. me an answer. So yes, okay. he has the book, but I told okay. him that I will call you and and then let his boys just ask you a few questions or so. You know, uh, if you had time. Well, I never, from any of the players, I never heard them say about brain tumor. Mm-hmm. I only saw that in that movie. Yeah, it's probably Hollywood. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I never seen mm-hmm. Mr. Biddle, uh, what about Bingo Long and the Traveling All Stars? How, how? Well, I know it's Hollywood too, but how correct to history is that? It was shown. That movie only showed one thing that I think it was trying to get over. Hollywood put that together and, it, and first of all the movie was Hollywood made. Yeah. And it, and but they did they put something in there that was true and they didn't even know what they was doing. That woman did own a Negro League team. Right. right. Her name was her name was Madam C J Walker. Right, I heard that. Wow. That's true. They didn't they didn't say that in the movie. But that's who the woman that owned the Negro League team name was Madam C. J. Walker, yeah, and that guy that, that that guy that had that funeral home in the movie. Yes, the guy, the guy had an insurance policy that he that black people, black family would pay one dollar a week, and he would bury everybody in the family. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. And this is history. That was the guy. This is Sally, a part of history. Was that the one named Sally Potter? Is that who? Is that that him? But that you know, but Hollywood didn't know what they were doing. Right. They yeah. put that together. <laughs> okay. They, they probably read about him or something. I don't know, but it was the Undertaker, and I forget his name, but it's it's in the it's in the record book. He did own on the Negro League team, and that woman, Madam C. J. Walker. Okay. She did own the Negro League team. Gotcha. Yeah, and I had heard that. Yeah, I heard she did. Yeah, I think I heard you say that, Mr. Kitchen, yeah. uh, Mr. Uh, Biddle. I, mm-hmm. I think I remember you saying that. I do I do remember you saying that. Was that the Indianapolis team, Mr. Biddle? Did she own the Indianapolis team? I didn't know that. No, I'm saying she, cause she, was from, in, she lived in Indianapolis. In, uh, she could have owned the okay. Indianapolis uh, ABCs. Yeah. Okay. All right. I haven't that, that record. I haven't uh, heard yet. That's good she research. The team. I know she owned a Negro League team. Okay. Okay. And uh, you know, yeah. one of the things that this is good just to our, our listening audience. One of the values of this discussion tonight is to let you know how important oral history can be, uh, and what uh, Mr. Biddle is doing for us tonight is providing me providing us this oral history based on somebody who was there and know what happened as versus those who go into a library and look at a book and try to interpret what has been in history. So a lot of times our research and our efforts, uh, you know, to capture our African history, uh, we, st- we need to still resort to oral history. You've got a lot of our elders that are now 80s, 90s, who can tell you some valuable stuff, but they just That's never right. have an opportunity to talk about it because nobody 
don't want to hear that from all them old folks. But I'm telling you that that is where a lot of the real history of African people lies. So maybe any of those right. of you who are uh, historians out and you know, you need to interview some of those 80, 90 year old people in your family and ask them about some stuff. Uh, that's so right. That's where the real history so is. So true. Yes, it is. So, okay, with that, I'm going to open the lines. Um, uh, let's go. I know I'm going to go in the order in which you logged on. Uh, 414 803. 414-803, you have a question or a comment or are you just listening? Just listening. Okay. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much. Uh, 414-429. Question, comment, just listen. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Uh, Brother White, Reverend White, how you doing, brother? Good evening, Dr. Rogers, and uh, good evening to your guest. Yes, sir. I, I just like to ask Mr. Biddle, does anybody have any film or video footage of any Negro League baseball games? The DVD that we have at the store is called Secrets of the Negro League. We do have some footage of some of the games, but, uh, you know, back in those days, the full game, uh, they they couldn't afford to film a full game. They didn't have mm-hmm. equipment, not a, not the a, uh, Film cost a lot of money back then, you know. <laughs> right, right. Uh, they got a lot of game, major league game. They just got some of the game. They ain't got the full game, some of the game, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, that, that 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 DVD that we have called Secrets of the Negro Baseball League, it's got a lot of information in there that we pass down to our young people. And there are How some, can you get that? Some, from the store. From from the store, it goes with the book. He's the book uh, he's and not the DVD. A lot of our listeners are not from Milwaukee. They, this, by fact, oh, okay. He's a. Uh, you get it from uh, yesterdaysnegroleague.com. Go to their website and you can order it. Okay, so it's I don't yesterday's. Think Amazon got that. They could have it. Said yesterdaysnegroleague.com. Okay. Right. Okay. All right. Okay, thank Yesterday, you. NegroLeague.com. Right. Yeah. Okay. And you know, uh, just based on bro- uh, Brother Herbie White's questions, uh, I mean, and that was a, a honest question, but what Mr. Diddle did is made it us understand the practicality of history. You know, yeah, if we, if we look at history from today, all you got to do is pull your camera out and you can do whatever you want to do. But back then, they didn't have all that. You know, there was no way to film that. You know, you had those little uh, eight millimeter uh, cameras, and that I do remember that film was expensive. So it's that's again another cause, another reason uh, to, to if you're trying to capture history, is to look at it from the practicality of things, uh, and to do that. Uh, even and I don't. This is not our discussion. Tonight, even the civil rights movement, if it had not been for those television stations uh, out, of, uh, out of those foreign countries that came in here and filmed the civil rights movement and filmed the action, we would not know a lot of that history because that's where it came from. The, the German film company, the, the British network camera, they came in and took pictures of all of that. 
because they were trying to diminish America. And they were, you know, and so they were right there filming all the beatings and the killings and all of that stuff. Um, and right. that is the reason that Eyes on the Prize was able to do what they did. If, if you look at uh, Eyes on the Prize film and look at those credits, all of those credits are those international television stations that were here filming all of that, that chaos. And so that's how we do it. So history is very practical, very practical. Thank you, Brother White. Appreciate that. Um, the next one, I only have a, a, a name, A-I-M-E-E, -E, Amy. you have a question, comment, or are you just listening? Okay, just listening, all right. Brother Quasi Crayer, uh, how you doing, my brother? Hey, thank you, Dr. Hey. hey, Mr. Bill, uh, and yes. Mr. Scott, the other, my other, your other guest? Okay. <laughs> Uh, Mr. Bitter, uh, um, uh, you're gonna know me for my horse. Brother, brother Harris, your, your phone, uh, brother Harris, your your phone seems. To, are you are you on a cell phone? Yes. It's drifting way out. You you want to maybe try? Is it close to you? Uh, am I am I okay now? Okay, a lot better, a lot better. Um, yeah, I uh, I had got one of your cards and uh, and some jerseys from the store at Mayfair. And I, my daughter presented your card at uh, school uh, for show and tell. And that was years ago. She was, uh, I think she was eight years old, eight or nine years old at the time. She's 17 now, graduating, uh, ready to graduate high school. But I just want to thank you for everything that you do. And I'm going to look to come up to Mayfair and pick up some of those uh, books because I have the DVD. Uh, so the you said the, I, I don't think I have that. You said you're working on the second edition. I'm working. I'm I'm, I'm work, writing the second book now. The book I'm writing now is based on the information that was passed down to me from those older players. That that yesterday's Negro League baseball is is a book with documents and things and that to prove what happened in the Negro baseball league. Okay, and, and I just had one one question. Were there any women leagues or women playing at the time? Because I know they had had a, a film uh, showing with uh, a women's baseball league and stuff. And I was just wondering, were there any uh, black females uh, out there during that time that were also trying to, you know, make their way through the sport? Well, there were no uh, just a black woman's team that I know of that played. But... Uh, those women tried out, uh, asked for a trial with those. Uh, it was a, a during the war. Uh, women league of their own. It was okay. all white women, and and right. they they actually they wouldn't let them try out for them. They couldn't play on that thing. Right. So that's what. Yeah, so that was some. Uh, they call it the league of their own. It was a, a baseball league of women. Hmm. All the right. of their own. Yeah, you can. That's in the history books that they they document all of that stuff. That stuff is documented. A few of them still mm -hmm. living. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. But in the Negro League, there was only three women that played. Uh, they tried out for the Knicks team and they made it. They could play as good as the men. Uh, Tony wow. Stone. Tony Stone. They just had a play out about her. Yeah, that's right. Uh, she mm -hmm. was. Yeah. And uh, that was Mamie Peanut Johnson. She just passed away last December. 
she's on the wall of fame at uh, mm. Miller Park and 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 Holy Redeemer. And the other one was named Connie Morgan. She was good mm. too. They all played in the Negro Baseball League. Three women. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Okay, thank you, Brother Quasi. Um, Brother Lush, Montgomery, Alabama. Thank you, Doc Rogers, and, and it's a pleasure to, to be a witness on this day. Uh, Brother Biddle, it's a pleasure to hear from you, um, to, to be up front and, and close to the, to the cell phone. And, Brother Scott, good evening to you. Uh, the question that I have is with regards to statistics. You know, there was a big stink uh, with uh, uh, Hank Aaron and, and Babe Ruth that came about. And, um, uh, of course, coming from New Orleans with uh, Kamara, um, Alvin Kamara making the largest number of touchdowns in an NFL game, what kind of statistics um, do you have in your book um, that we can also use as a source of information uh, to help us be able to articulate better? Uh, the Negro League. Well, if you if you if you're talking about batting averages and, and stolen bases and, and stuff like that, no, we don't. I don't. My book don't contain none of that stuff <laughs> uh, because most of the players, we see. You have to understand the Negro League team could not afford a statistician to travel with the team to write down everything that happened. Uh, Therefore. A lot of the players kept their own stats, uh-huh. and uh, if you ask him how much, what do you bet? He would, he figured it out. He can tell you how much you bet. So, uh, my book uh, don't have a, uh, it have documents and things in there to prove what happened, not stats. Okay, okay. So, uh, and that's what the major leagues got a problem with now. I had a call from uh, New York about, you know, the set. And I, I explained to the to the uh, reporter, there's no way that every game was correctly for stats. Yeah, they got some stats. A lot of the stats guys kept themselves. A lot of newspapers, in the beginning, newspapers wrote about certain things that happened and had some stats in there. That's why they got the few stats they got. This is going to be very difficult for the major leagues to use stats to qualify Negro League ball players. They all knew they was a good or better. They couldn't do nothing about it. So right. just take the word for it. And uh, they were classified as Negro as major leaguers. There was two major leagues. I said this all the time. There was two major leagues, one white and one black and unequal. All right. All right. <laughs> well, it's a, pleasure. it's a pleasure listening to you. Thank you, Dr. Rogers, for picking my call. No and all the best to you and your book, uh, Brother Biddle. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> Let's go to Durham, North Carolina, 919-956. All right, good evening, brothers. Hey, good evening, my brother. How you doing today? 
Okay, okay. You know, okay. first of all, uh, uh, Dr. Rogers, before I, I got a couple of questions, but before I ask those questions, I really, uh, uh, and I'm going to try to get them later, I'm going to ask your, 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 your guests about the man I tried all day today. I didn't even tell you. You know I was working for you to get on your program. Uh, Mr. Right. Biller, are you familiar with the, with, with the, you familiar with the player, a player by the name of Clifford Layton from the Negro Baseball Leagues? Yes, he's on the wall of fame. Okay. He's on the wall of fame. Yes. You know anything about him, much about him? Or? Uh, well, he's, uh, Mr. Layton has got a baseball card with his stats and stuff on there. I, I don't know. Uh, I never played with or against him. Uh, but I did meet him. I know him. He's he's and, uh, he's from 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 Durham, North Carolina. He played for the yeah. Metros. He also played for the Black Yankees. And his his, right. his, his uh, one of his claims to fame is he, he was a pitcher. He got he got a hit off Satchel Page in the game when nobody else got a hit off Satchel mm-hmm. Page. And he had a trial for the Brooklyn Dodgers, but his uh, uh, something was wrong with his shoulder. And I just I've been I've been trying to get him all day today. He's still living down in Dunn, North yeah. Carolina. I'm just yeah. giving you that information. Uh, Dr. Bridges, you got a you yeah. got somebody on right now from Dunn. Okay, well he's gonna. That's a, that's somebody I told about your program. He's gonna probably. He you want to get him after you get after you finish with me, or you can get us the same time. Can you uh, get him now? Uh, 910292, Dunn, North Carolina. Oh, that might be him. I don't think that's him, though. I wonder who that is. Oh, he. Who he, is that? Let's see. They, they hung up. They hung up. Okay. Yeah, okay. I don't know who that was. Okay. Because I just called another another friend of mine from Charlotte, North Carolina, who was born and raised in Dunn. He, he's a 704. He'll probably call. He says he's going to Yeah, he's on, he's on now. Yeah. Okay, good. He probably okay. He right. Okay, he has a comment too. But anyway, yeah, Mr. Layton, if you ever need to get in contact with him for some things you're doing, he's 89 years, but yeah, 89, 90, probably about 91 now, and he lives in Dunn, North Carolina. I tried to get all day to get him. Called the barbershop where he gets his hair cut and ran him down from the rest home and everything. But anyway, I wanted to ask you about him, and then I want to ask you about what is what is the Negro. National League. I was reading about the baseball league. Now I know you y'all talk, y'all talk about the national, uh, uh, the Negro Baseball League. Now what's the Negro National League? Sir, that's uh, Double Duty Ratcliffe. Ted, his name was Ted Double Duty Ratcliffe. He just passed away. He's 103 years old when he died. He told me, because I asked him that question. He said they only did that because the major leagues had a Nice league and American league, so they thought they were, but it it ended up in Negro baseball league. He said the contract, everything was the same. Okay, okay, so, so that's just just just, just, a, just the name. That's all. It was no. Okay, yeah. Now, 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 no are you familiar? How much you know about the Pittsburgh Crawfords? Well, I I got the records of them. Okay, okay. There was a there, there was a there was a black man by the name of uh, Gus Greenlee. You familiar with him? But he didn't have the Crawfords. Yeah, he had. I know he, Gus Greenlee. Gus Greenlee was uh, he had. <clears throat> that's a story that was handed down to me about Gus. Gus was one of those uh, after the depression was one of those black men that owned the Negro League team. That's he, right. Uh, he moved into Pittsburgh. He started the numbers game. That's right. He made now, so much money in the numbers game that he built a stadium and 
and and and and and hired a lot of the Negro League ball players from the Crawfords, brought them over to, and called them the Homestead Grays. That was the name of the That's team. That's right. Now, now I, I'm glad you mentioned that, and the reason I brought him up is because, uh, uh, and I didn't hear the whole program tonight, Bill, so I might be off base on this one. But I've I've noticed that a lot of the money that was made by people's running people running the numbers rackets and the uh and that's before the lottery because we started the lottery because the lottery came out of numbers <laughs> a lot of the bootleggers after prohibition uh, uh during prohibition the bootleggers and the numbers runners they would finance athletes like the negro baseball league and uh i think some of them even put some money towards joe lewis and all kinds of things and i think gus greenlee was one of those kind of guys he took his money like you said and financed that 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 uh that, that pittsburgh team yeah he, he built a stadium that's right he built a stadium and and and, and named the team uh, uh homestead grace that's right, and he and, and and Bill. What I wanted to say to the audience too, which is another good discussion about that money that that the, a lot of the black people is making in in the black community before it's integration. Mm-hmm. That money, you know, underground money like the the, the 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 liquor and the numbers running, they would finance black organizations like like the Negro Baseball League. And uh, Gus Greenlee, uh, Bill, was from from Monroe, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wanted to mention that he's from Monroe, North Carolina. And uh, so I just wanted to mention him because I've been reading about him. He's a real interesting kind of guy, you know, and he owned a, a grill, a jazz club, too, in Pittsburgh called the Crawford Street Grill that I used to go to when I was in Pittsburgh, uh, uh, North Carolina. So, he, so a lot of the money behind the baseball league yeah, was, that, was, was, that, was, that, was that gambling money, wasn't it, Mr. Yeah. Bill? Economic, economic. Well, I don't know. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, the, the black church, the black church was involved in some of this, too. Uh, because hey, a lot of those games, right. the lot of those games were held on brought, Sunday. Yeah, <laughs> on Sunday they would preacher would put church out early for go to a game. Go to the game. That's right. That's right. And see, yeah. and, yeah. and and, and so, Mr. Bill was laughing, and I'm laughing too. But look, ain't nothing wrong with that. We taking money that so, we're making and uh, and and, and using to support our own, uh, you know, our own events, our own ventures, whatever right. it is we doing. It's nothing at all wrong with that. And that's a, that's another discussion too. But right. that's the yeah. whole idea with that 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 with the black with the black uh, uh, what do you call it in Chicago in in the area they call Bronzeville. Yeah. The Chicago yeah. gangsters, Teddy Rowe, Teddy Rowe and the Jones brothers, uh, ran Al Capone out of there uh, when they because they were, you know, he wanted to come in and try to control the numbers, yeah. you know, and yeah. those those uh, those numbers rights were, you know, financing baseball team and boxing and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, good show, Bill. I'm gonna let you go ahead. On. I'm still okay. tuned in though. Thank you so much, Dr. Okay. Bridges. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Uh, New York City, nine one seven six eight six two. Question or comments? Or are you just listening? New York City, 917-662. Okay, just listening. Uh, yeah, um, how you doing, um, oh, Dr. Rogers? Oh, fine, my good brother. How you doing? I'm well. Thanks for asking. Yes. Uh, I was wondering about, they had two women that played in the Negro League. Three. Uh, one name was Peanut something, and I forget the other one's name. There were three women that played in the Negro League. One was named Tony Stone, Connie Morgan, and Mamie Peanut Johnson. Right. Mamie Peanut Johnson, right. And I have a friend that lives in Detroit, and she says there's a Negro League that's still living out, out there in Detroit. Mm. Yes, there's one player still living in Detroit. 
Uh-huh. Now, would you say that the Homestead Grays would have beat the 1927 Yankees? To beat the Yankees? The 27 Yankees. They were oh, probably I don't the most know. Well, I, I, you know, listen to those old men talk about the olden days, and I think they did play. I don't know. Uh, yeah, Bob fell They call it. They call it. Uh, yeah, they call it. Uh, uh, Barnstorming. No, not Barnstorming. They call the game they played. They played the major league player. See. Down through the years, it was passed down to me that some of those white players, they 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 didn't they was not against it. So some of them would get together after season, after the baseball season, they would get together a bunch of them and play uh, the Negro League team. They would get together, and uh, they would play at Major League parks, uh-huh. and they would pack and they were they were packed old parks. I mean, thousands and thousands of people would come out and watch them play. But the, like I said in the beginning, the Negro League team won. I think they recorded 80, 86 games. Hmm. And uh, the Negro League team won them all but six. And if, if you ask some of the older guys, they said, that's a lie. We, we played more games than that, and we won more games than that. <laughs> so I would imagine that's something that, he said the white players said we were, we were just, we were doing our best. We were just out there playing, you know. That's what they were. They said they said, but they was trying. Dr. Page struck out Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig, and Jimmy Fox in a row. That's what wow. one of the was told me. I don't know. I you know that was way before I was born. Back you know I was a little boy. Have you heard about that gifted one out of Yankee Stadium? Who? Josh Gibson hitting the ball out of Yankee Stadium. Oh, well, that's a part of the record, too. Josh is the only player in Major League history to hit the ball out of Yankee Stadium on the streets. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I thank you for that information. Thank you so much. All right. All right. Thank you, my brother. I appreciate you so much. Atlanta, right. Atlanta, Atlanta Georgia, 404-453. Okay, I can't. I just can't hardly hear you. But I, I know. I, I know you. I know who you are. Okay. All right. Thank you, my brother. Uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, four two nine. Milwaukee, four two nine. Are you listening? Need to ask the question, or are you just listening? Okay, just listening. Thank you. Okay, uh, brother Scott. Thought we uh, we. Covered yeah. most of the uh, the callers that are on. Some have uh, dropped since that time. Uh, but uh, anything you want to talk, we're getting ready to come to that bewitching hour. We'll close. We've got about 30 minutes. Anything? Yeah, I will say briefly. Uh, <clears throat> well, I'm going to say uh, well, two things. Okay. When, when I first heard you uh, out at that resort, <laughs> Mr. Biddle, I mean, I was, I was at awe. You know, Dr. Rogers is the is the greatest historian I've ever been in the midst of. Now, I've heard many, and of course he's referred me to great people like John, Dr. John Henry Clark, Chick, and to Bill and so forth. But 
I mean, he's the greatest historian well, that I've you, been, been in the midst of. That's and, big and, shoes. <laughs> so when I heard you, I came back and I told him all the things that you were talking about, and, and he, I, I was getting his attention more and more and more. I said, you could develop a whole department at the university just based on what he was saying. He could have went on for days with the things he was saying, you know, and he was he was really amazed at what I was saying to him, and I kind of felt shorted because I minored in uh, anthropology. I had never heard anything about all the things you were talking about in Negro League. It was so impressive and so, uh, and then it was hurtful at the same time, based on you know how we were treating the things that was done in, in that that greatest gentleman's agreement. You know that you talked about that. I was just that just I was just outdone with that. But going into you, you you talked about a lot of a lot of the guys they died, and you guys had to do fundraisers to bury them. And during the time you did the lecture, a lot of people were wearing Negro League uh, uh, baseball attire, HBCU attire, and and you were saying uh, you had the number it was worth millions and millions of dollars. None of this money was going to anyone who played in the Negro Baseball League. And I'd just like to know, has anything been done about that or has any money been funneled this way, you know, uh, your way, so the players could be buried without having to do all those fundraisers that you was talking about way back then? Yeah. Is that for me? Yeah, that was for you, Mr. Yeah. Bill. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, uh, I thought <clears throat> a lot of, you know, I there's so much. It, it, it's so much history that 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 involved this, and there are stages, and 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 and, and you know, like like organizing yesterday Negro League. That's a whole. Another thing out there, right. whole another hour, <laughs> and right. and the thing we went through doing it, people that fought against it, and some of them was players. You know, I'll never forget Mr. Sherwood Brewer who started the organization. He was, a, he said, I'm, I'm I play with against them all. You 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 run the organization. I'm gonna watch your back. And he said, he said one thing you're gonna you're gonna run into, and this is what really got me. He said, some of your own, son, going to be your worst enemy. And he was so, that was so true. I ran into players that, that you know, I don't know. I never did anything to them. Uh, I don't know why they was against me. Why well, don't say I didn't play and, and this, you know, things like this. But uh, I, I, I just... I had to put that behind me and, and keep going because I know that? I played. I can right. prove I played. Uh, let me see. Let me turn my phone off. I can't hear. Let's see. Can you hear me? Yeah, I'm sorry, Mr. Bill. Yeah, go right ahead. Okay. So I'm uh, I'm uh, <clears throat> the president of Yesterday Negro League Baseball Players Foundation, and my job, and I promised those old men that I will make sure that the true history as I got it from them and myself will be passed down to my young people so they're not the best ball player in the Negro League. That's not why Branch Rickett picked them. And this is what I tell my young people. 
There was a lot of players better than Jackie. Mm-hmm. Jackie was a great ball player. I I met him. He was a great ball player, and uh, he did something none of the other players could do. He opened the door so other young black players would be able to play in the major league. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, you know, not Mr. because he was the greatest ball player. He, I, 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 I really give him big props. I mean, a lot of credit for that. But he did something that I didn't like during the time when Muhammad Ali was going through uh, fighting from going into the military, and um, you know they they was they always go and try to find black people to go against black people. And they went and got Jackie Robinson. Jackie Robinson came out and did a press release or whatever and said, you know, Muhammad Ali was uh, making it bad for all other black people and he was this and that. And he, he was just saying bad things about Muhammad Ali. And Muhammad Ali was standing up for everybody, not just black people. He wasn't going to fight this war, you know. And Jackie Robinson, he really spoke bad about Muhammad Ali. And I did not like that. Right. You know, there are many um, in 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 early turn of the 19th, going into the 20th century. Um, a lot of Caucasian businessmen wanted to uh, bring in, uh, you know, a lot of blacks and from the African community. But the problem was uh, that they feared how they would respond, as Mr. Biddle said, to name calling and some of the others. And some of our people wouldn't take that. They, they weren't they weren't going to take that and uh, they would have fought back and they would have done things so a lot of the efforts was to bring in people that were was as passive as possible uh, and bring that passivity uh, into being because you know just what Mr. Biddle said about baseball I've also heard that about Joe Lewis Joe Lewis wasn't necessarily the best, but they wanted to make sure that there would not be another Jack Johnson um, that would be in the front uh, and do the things that Jack Johnson had done uh, in front of, of, of white people. And so they That's always the chose, they always chose look for that passivity. Even companies. Well, yeah. Even yeah, companies. They, they, they did that. They, yeah. show, um, they, they, they used him. They said, you cannot you knock an opponent out, you can't raise your hand, you can't that didn't not that didn't come back again until Muhammad Ali. Even as great as Sugar Ray Robinson was. Right. But that, you know, Jack Johnson was just too strong. Man. Yeah. So that that was a lot of that was political. And as Mr. Biddle stated, so that's why this history is so critical. Uh because yeah. it's, it's critical. Uh, uh those that are on it for uh, please mute your phone. O two eight eight. Could you mute your phone, please? O two eight eight. Could you mute your phone just a second? Okay. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. Hello. Okay. Oh. Now I can get you. I was just waiting because uh, we had some distraction uh, from somebody's phone was in the background. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, uh, the yeah. the, um, the 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 past the more the passive you were the better your chance would be to do something. Uh, that was done, like, for instance, right here in Wisconsin, when those uh, uh, automobile uh, subsidiary companies were, were hiring blacks uh, back in the turn of the century. Uh, at the turn of the century to uh, come uh, to Milwaukee and work, 
they were sent down uh, as recruits and their job was to find somebody who was be able to handle working among a lot of white folk and taking and being able to take that uh, uh, behavior and attitude that they were going to throw against them. <laughs> so, yeah, you're right. That's that's always happened, Phil. You, you, it has been a major case uh, in terms of what we are doing. Um, yeah. Just in case there's anybody who's on the Internet would like to ask a question or comment, uh, 215-490-9832 is our number. Uh, we're talking with Mr. Dennis Biddle of yesterday's Negro Baseball League. And uh, Mr. Biddle, tell us, uh, so that the audience will know once more, give us the website, because, you know, a lot of folks here are not from Milwaukee. Give us the website for okay. um, ordering the book they, and the they, CD. Yeah. If they go to yesterday's Negro League.com, they'd be able to uh, see the foundation, get the foundation. Uh, uh, the uh, information on what the order of the foundation. There's a website. There's a traveling exhibit on on there also. Okay, good, great, fantastic. Now, yeah. recently, um, the Durham Bulls honored the, uh, the yesterday Negro Baseball League. Is that correct? The Durham Bull. Yeah, the Durham Bulls. It was uh, recently. In, I said again. This was done recently. Yeah, recently. I think, yeah, recently. Yesterday, Negro League? That's what it said in the article I read. Maybe maybe it was an older one. Did they do it? It probably was an older article because we, 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 we had a lot of players living in North Carolina. And uh, oh, uh, oh. Carl Long was the uh, okay. main person there. But uh, I don't I – don't, that, that – Passed me by. I haven't heard that. One. Yeah, they they mentioned it mentioned specifically the yesterday baseball league, and they mentioned I think the guy's last name was Taylor. I don't I didn't, I didn't know his name. Last name was Taylor, and they honored him. Taylor. Yeah. Oh boy, I don't know who that could have been. Okay, I don't know if, if anybody from Durham know who that was or remember when that happened might have happened. If, uh, go right ahead. O two eight eight. Oh yeah, Doctor Rogers. I didn't. Want, I, I was hoping to get back to him again because now I don't know who that was. But since he mentioned North Carolina, and like I said, I did tune in a little late tonight. I wanted him to mention two more players. One from North Carolina. Just give me a little information about them and their personality and why they couldn't have made the, the, the you know the, the white folks major league. And that's Buck Leonard first. What you know about Buck Leonard? Yeah, Buck. Buck was one of those players that fell through the cracks. Uh, he's he could have been, you know, uh, could have gone to the major league, uh, but you know those teams couldn't have a one. Some of them didn't okay. have none for a long time. So he he got too old. I mean, twenty eight, twenty nine, thirty years old. You know, they don't they wouldn't uh, uh, couldn't play other than thirty year old players in the major. So uh, Buck Leonard became one of those players. That was training the younger players. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah, he, but he was a he was a great ball player. Was the first base when he played? Uh, you know they play. You got you got sixteen players on the team, so if uh-huh. you can play more in one position, you were more valuable to the team. Okay. Like I was a pitcher, and I could play. I could hit and run. So I played. 
when I wasn't pitching, I was playing another position somewhere. Buck was a first baseman. Okay. Uh, yeah, and, and that's what he I. Was. Yeah, he was a first yeah, baseman. I'm sure he played other positions too. Ooh, that's right. Yeah. From, from North Carolina. One, one more, and I'm gonna let y'all Carl Long. Carl Long. Carl Long. Now, 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 did you mention probably? You probably did earlier on in the program. I hate, what about Buck O'Neill? Who? Buck O'Neill from Kansas. Oh, Buck O'Neill was from North Carolina. No, he wasn't. I know. I oh yeah. Now Buck, 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 uh, Buck O'Neill uh, could have been. He was a spokesman for us because he was closer to the to the mainstream than most of the other players. He could have been, he could have helped, he could have done more for the players, I felt, than uh-huh. he did. But, you know, they didn't make much money back in their day. And uh, he got with an organization that gave him some money. And I think so, I think he was running, you know, the, running the museum. Who was back? He wasn't running the museum. He was The museum was using him to make money. Oh, okay, okay. For them, yeah. Uh, I I got a. He's on the Wall of Fame. Buck O'Neill finally came in, and he's on the Wall of Fame. In he and Milwaukee, and Holy Redeemer Church. Okay, okay, yeah. Because I met him. I got a good video of him. I brought him to Durham, North Carolina. I got him doing an interview and doing a little talk. Real good video. But about talking to him. Yeah, he came down with us. Yeah. Okay, okay. But I, I, I was reading on, on the internet that he's one of the, the top four Negro Baseball League players in history of Negro Baseball League. I didn't know that, but I don't even know what position he played. But uh, Yeah, he Buck O'Neill was a first baseman, too. But what happened to Buck is that he was lucky enough to come along a time when after Jack had opened the door and the Major League team was hiring black players, they were hired. Uh, 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 a black person to kind of look over the younger players, you know. And Buck was, he he became, they hired him as a coach, the uh, Chicago Cubs. And and he eventually became a manager for a few days. So he had that credibility. So he was one of the first managers of a major league team? Right. Wow. He's the first, the Chicago Cubs. That's, that's deep history. Matter of fact, he was there when Ernie Banks came. That's right. I was reading that he was there when Ernie Banks came because he, I think, Buck just passed a few couple of years ago, didn't he, Mr. Bill? Yeah, he, about two years ago, three years ago, he passed. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Just before the pandemic started. Okay, but Slipper Layton is still living out in Dunn, North Carolina. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Layton is still with us. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when, one question I want to ask you, Mr. Biddle, did. Uh, did, did the black radio stations or any of them carry any of the games? Did they broadcast on on those? Uh, I don't know if it was in a black station back then. Okay, uh, they they weren't owned some, by blacks. That but was they, some that was some reporters that did the best they could, you know, under the circumstances, okay. condition they had to work with. There were some black reporters, and uh, that's what that's what mostly books came from. Those black, what those black reporters did, okay, and, and and reported. That's why they would take something and ad lib, take something he said and ad lib, themselves to it and 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 sell a book. 
<laughs> okay. And, 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 and Bill, you know, since you mentioned that, I remember when uh, I was growing up and the Internet Clowns come to Durham, North Carolina. WSRC would announce those games and what time and where they'd be playing and how much it costs to get in and everything. Right. Well, we were talking mm-hmm. about that. We talked about the clowns. He explained that uh, to us. Right. Yeah, yeah I, heard, I heard you on that part. But yeah, WSRC would advertise some of those games. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, do you do you or anybody from Durham know who owned the Durham Rams? I don't know. That's a good question. I, I remember. Now you remember uh, that, that was a a a, a, a player. I think that tried out for the major league. A good pitcher named Lamb that played that played for those Durham Lambs. Uh, uh had a brother too that played in the in the baseball league. He was a real good pitcher. Right. Uh huh. But I don't know who owned the Durham Ram. No, I don't know. Okay. All right. Thank you, Bruce. I appreciate it. Uh-huh. Uh Brother Scott, any yeah. final questions you got? Real cool. Yeah. Mr. Bitter, I want to go back to something we really, you know, I asked you in the very beginning. We kind of skipped over it. Um, you said so much. But I, I, I asked you, um, did you know about Jackie Robinson serving in the military? Yeah. Uh, because. He he he, uh, he he it says uh, he served from 1942 to 1944, and he earned the rank of second lieutenant. But he was he was court-martialed and kicked out of the military based on no he never was kicked. They didn't kick him out. They say it was court-martialed after false. They court-martialed him. They didn't kick him out. He won the court-martial trial. Okay. He retired from the military. Yeah, he. They caught. Do you know why they caught Marshall? It was false accusations from a prejudiced uh, officer. Based no. on the information. Well, they so they want to use that. They want to use that because he would not let his wife move in the back of that bus. Okay. That military bus. They wanted her to go to the back, like the other black people. And he refused to let her go. And they caught my that that lieutenant there wasn't no lieutenant, it was captain. Captain and him got into it. That's why they court martial. About and he that. won so he, he won the he court won. martial. That's right. Yeah, well, he that's, won the court that's, martial. That's and that's, that's why and that's why when he came to Kansas City, they had heard about that. They knew he was a fighter. But the that's why they, said, they picked him. The information says um, that he was, uh, you know, after the court martial, um, that uh, the jury uh, that confirmed his that confirmed his removal from the military. That's what the information says. But if he if he wanted and he didn't, I'm glad. He won the court martial. Yeah, I'm and sure uh, that he did. I mean, I, I can't name too much anything we haven't been through. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But Jackie was, uh, I don't know, I, you know, I sat across the dinner table from him. He didn't look real to me. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget, I'm 19 years old. He calling me kid. But he told me, he said, they can't write in a book or show in a movie what I, been, what I went through. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. I said, Mr. Robinson, did you ever think about quitting? He said, every day. He said, I thought about it every day, but I had made a promise that I would open the door. 
so other blacks will be able to play in the major league. Mm -hmm. That's something that always be with me. Every speech I make, I talk about that because it's it's a part of me meeting him. Mr. Biddle, the the current major league uh, activity now, I noticed that there are a lot of of, uh, uh, Hispanic ballplayers. How are the the African-Americans faring in the major leagues? I don't particularly part of Major League Baseball. But see, but, uh, the but see that's, another, that's another two-hour uh, <laughs> segment of the talk. See, uh, that's, it, it's no one reason. There's a lot of reasons blacks are, uh, you know, they're making a comeback. It'll be 10 years now, but they're making a comeback now because finally, before Mr. Brewer died and Bud Seeley, we finally got the Major Leagues, Major Leagues, to sponsor little leagues. Mm-hmm. Before, the little leagues had to buy their own bats and balls and they sell candy and the churches sponsored and all of that. And that's when the blacks, they started playing basketball and football. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But now, blacks are playing baseball again. So in a few years, you're going to see uh, a, a lot of blacks again in the major league. Right. Do you, do you work with the Stapleton Little League? Yes, I do. Great. Mr. Beckham is one of us. Okay. All right. And he, he played with the, he played before I did. He played with the uh, St. Louis Stars. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I tell you, this has been amazing. And like I said, we said earlier uh, to our audience, this is one of the best ways of capturing history uh, is oral history. Yeah, because you're talking mainly to the people that were there and that they can sure. witness and formulate, um, you know, the occurrences and what happened. Because we get a lot of mythology, like you said, from writers, yeah. and then there are people that have tainted our history. And so it's good yeah. to be able to get somebody on site. Uh, and even as Mr. Biddle raised that question about Madam C.J. Walker, uh, being the owner of a team, even though I knew that, but I hadn't, it, it, you drove that home about some stuff that I'm looking at in terms of, of her work and what, what she was doing. Uh, so that's that's really powerful and it's very interesting. So She became uh, the second? Oh. Uh-huh. Go right ahead. Uh, Madam C.J. Walker, that, that uh, health stuff she uh, discovered, she got, came up with a ingredients and have to straighten black people hair, remember? Right, that's right, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> and she became the second most richest woman in the world. Yeah. The Negro League was third. Hmm. That was passed down to me. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of history that behind that whole idea. And, yeah. And with her yeah. and even, even uh, Murray McLeod Bethune, she was tied up into yeah. that as well. <clears throat> so... But anyway, this has been very good. Any closing remarks, Mr. Bibble, before we close out? Yeah, that's something that's coming up. I I want uh, uh, everyone to know that finally the uh, black college, the uh, WBC, what is it? HBCU. You, yeah. This year, finally, after 25 years, I, I wanted it 25 years ago. But we finally, some younger people got it together. And this year is going to be the first uh, World Series, HUBU 
oh. HBCU. Oh, First uh, 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 World Series. It's gonna be, and they're gonna be honoring the Negro League, Negro oh. Baseball League. Oh, that's dope. Uh, and uh, it's gonna be at Rick. It's gonna be June, and it's gonna be at regular field. At regular field. Chicago. All right. <laughs> oh, yeah. This staffing. is something that, yeah, they're working on it now, and it's a, uh, it's a goal. For as we know right now, it's a goal. June six, seven, and eight, at regular field in Chicago. Mm. Dr. Rogers, Mr. Biddle Biddle coming along just like James Cameron, man. I'm telling you, you, he's working. That's dedication. Yeah. That's the dedication that you've got to have today. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's beautiful. Mr. Diddle, I appreciate you so much. You know, all I needed to have done was make one call to you, and you you didn't waver one bit. (laughs) So, and I appreciate you. you Okay, thank you very much, and I appreciate coming on and yep, uh, yep telling what I know. <laughs> uh, Brother Quasi is, uh, is going to be coming by the bookstore uh, sometime okay. this week, and he's going to pick me up the book. And, uh, do, do you have T-shirts there, too? Yeah, we got T-shirts. <laughs> he got, got it jerseys. all. <laughs> yeah. so I, hey, hey, I'm putting them he on the spot. <laughs> I'm, I'm putting them on the spot. I've let hundreds of people here. Okay. Commit you will be there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it'll be that Thursday, uh, Friday, Saturday. Okay, well, you'll be by then. All right. <laughs> yeah, so. Yep. All right. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, ladies and gentlemen, right. thank, thank you, you so much. Yeah. Uh, thank you okay. so much, Mr. Bell. Good night, everybody. For your participation. Okay. Yeah, thank Bye-bye. you. <laughs> and we'll be back next week um, right here, 7 o'clock, Black Reality Think Tank. I appreciate all of you. And uh, uh, we'll close it out.